Well, hey, welcome back to the For Jesus podcast. This is a podcast where we're trying to have conversations about what it means that all of life is all for Jesus. My name is Luke Simmons. I'm the lead pastor of Redemption Gateway. Here with me today is Alessi DeBartolo, leads our community and global ministry here. How are you, Alessi? I'm doing good. We're missing somebody today. We are. We're missing our uh, funny guy. Well, I mean, missing is like he's not here. I don't yeah. know if we're really missing him. But, uh, <laughs> I yeah, did Josh, just see him yesterday. Joshua Reese is uh, on assignment. He's somewhere, uh, you know, probably, you don't know. Cooler weather? Like, uh, I was thinking he might be like chugging strawberry milk somewhere or something. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, this is kind of an exciting beginning of a new mini-series within this podcast. Um, we launched this past Sunday at Redemption Gateway the King Jesus 2020 initiative. And that's Ooh. something that we, um, yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, it's not a sermon series, but it is kind of a thing that's going to trickle through our church. We're going to have over the next weeks until the election, we're going to have some time set aside in every Sunday service where we're going to pray for something about our country. Mm. Uh, we're inviting and challenging people to pray and to fast on Tuesdays leading up to the election, pray wow. for our country, uh, pray for our leaders, pray for all of this stuff that's going on, and then to daily take, uh, kind of remind themselves of these 10 commitments. And um, all that information is available on our website. But what we're going to do in this podcast is actually over the next weeks is we're going to dig into some of the issues related to culture, related to the election, related to politics. We've got some really interesting guests and topics coming up. And uh, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah. my question, Alessi, as we get started is yeah. when you think of the 2020 election, you feel what? I feel, um, I would say two things. Uh, one, I, I, I feel a fear and anxiety from others around me. Um, but I think personally, I feel a little indifferent um, from it. A little like, hmm, well, uh, I'm not sure if I love either of the options and uh, I'm thankful that the Lord's in control and, uh, and, and we'll just kind of see what happens. Yeah. And you know what? I think there's so many people like you. I think, you know, the loudest voices are the ones that are really, really care about this stuff a lot. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people that are just kind of going, you know what? That doesn't matter to me that much. I just would like to see us not all kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. Uh, for me, when I think of the 2020 election, I think yeah. I mostly feel sad. Mm. Um, kind of to what you're alluding to. I just, uh, I, I experience already the kind of biting and devouring of one another that we do as followers of Jesus. I feel sad for our country. Yeah. I feel like, uh, just like you mentioned, I don't, I don't think anybody would feel like, man, there's just, uh, there's, there's no problems with either party or with either candidate or with, you know, just, you just look up and down the society and the government and you just see brokenness. And that makes me really sad. There's a lot of hurt too, I feel like, which has been hard to see, um, even in both sides, just there's hurt and yeah. Yeah. So it adds to your sadness. Yeah. And so um, it does make me sad. I, at the same time, man, I, I want to be hopeful mm. and I especially want to be hopeful for the church. And I think that's what this initiative and that's what these conversations are about is really to say, how can we as the church of Jesus Christ shine a different kind of light? Absolutely. Uh, we want to care about the things that are happening in our society. We're going to vote. We're going to be engaged. <laughs> yeah. But we want to do it with a different posture, a different heart. And so yeah. to help us with that, we're going to have a conversation. Uh, we actually just recorded it a few moments ago with Jim Mullins. He's a pastor at Redemption Tempe. And, um, man, I loved this conversation. Mm -hmm. I think it was so interesting. Jim was kind of the guy who helped kind of brainchild this whole idea of this initiative. Um, and at the end, make sure you stick around because at the end, he offers this really helpful paradigm that I think will help just reshape a lot of kind of, you know, we normally just think in left, right, 
but that yeah. you actually see, no, there's a lot more going on in terms of how, how politics almost is like a number of different religions. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was so fascinating. Yes. So did I. Yeah. So, um, we're really excited to have a uh, Jim. This, he's actually our first guest yeah. on the podcast. He so that's is. pretty cool. So, uh, our I think you're going to love it. Caller. Yeah. Okay. He's dialing in and, uh, yeah, it was really great conversation. So we think you'll enjoy it. So, um, if it's helpful, please be sure to share it with somebody and pass it on. And, uh, yeah, without further ado, here's our conversation with Jim Mullins. Jim, uh, welcome to the For Jesus podcast. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. Yeah, man, we're really glad to uh, do this. You, you guys have a podcast that you've been doing for a while, so we've, I know, kind of picked your brain a little bit on that. What's the name of your guys' podcast? Mm -hmm. Well, we have a Redemption Tempe podcast, but we've also been doing the uh, Faith, Work, and Rest podcast. Nice. Particularly focused on uh, faith and work and how... Jesus is Lord over all of our lives, including our work. Yeah, you actually wrote a book about that. Uh, that's not the main point of this conversation, but tell us about that book. <laughs> yeah, Symphony of Mission. Uh, so it's a book I wrote with Mike Goheen, and it's essentially about what God's mission is, his mission to renew and restore all things uh, through Christ and how we participate in his mission. And uh, the aim of it is to take some of the richest missiological principles that are written by, you know, academics and actually bring it down into to real life and help people kind of reimagine the everyday mundane stuff of life as present with God and an opportunity to love your neighbors. So even that title, Symphony of Mission, is kind of a word picture for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is, actually. Because I think we often think of, we often think of, God's mission, we think of mission almost in terms of like a rock band, where with every rock band, you know, there's a main person, most rock bands. It's usually named after them, like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and I don't know, what, what are some other ones? Can you think of Dave any? Dave Matthews uh, Band, maybe? D Dave Matthews Band, yeah. So, Old school. Uh, we're, we're, 90, we're, we're 90s kids, Jim. Unless he's like, say that's a right. cold play. That <laughs> doesn't say his name. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, my metaphor breaks John down. John uh, John yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, but in a in a rock band, there's all you know. Everybody's important, but there's always a main person. And I think when we think about mission, different people make the argument about what's the main thing. Is it uh, church planting? Is it evangelism? Is it business's mission? Is it, um, you know, mercy ministry, caring for the poor? And really, if you switch the metaphor to a symphony, then all of those things mm. uh, are important. Just like in a symphony, no one's really saying this instrument's more important than this instrument. And the more only cowbell. Thing that really more gets... cowbell. That's what I think. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but the only thing that's at the center that gets elevated is the composer and conductor and that is christ mm. in the mission and so all of these things are playing a unique role in pointing to christ that's awesome so the symphony of mission if you're looking for a good read uh to think about really what all of life is all for jesus means that would be a great thing for folks to listen to so jim um you're married you have a daughter and um, i mm -hmm. know that you're really trying to just faithfully pastor uh, the people at Redemption Tempe, and as you kind of looked ahead into 2020, you kind of birthed up this initiative at, at Redemption Tempe. Y'all are calling it King of the King of Kings campaign, I believe. Uh, Gateway, we're calling it mm -hmm. King Jesus 2020, but it kind of 
our our whole initiative really was inspired by a lot of your thinking. And so we'd love to just hear kind of what's the, um, what was the inspiration? What was kind of going through your head and heart uh, as this thing kind of started getting birthed? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on a conceptual level, it's, you know, we talk a lot about all of life is all for Jesus. And uh, what would it look like to have a season of deliberate reflection on and pursuit of, of living out that biblical truth um, in our engagement with politics. And uh, conceptually, it's all about following that, that Jesus is the king. He's the ultimate authority. And what if his words and his ways shaped every aspect of our engagement, including our dialogue, including uh, the way that we participate um, and, you know, the, the, the concept is there, but a lot of it was actually birthed out of some kind of painful things with uh, 2016 was probably the roughest year mm. of pastoral ministry for me. And um, until 2020. And in the life of redemption. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. And so far, actually, I would say 2016 was worse, to be honest oh, wow. with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that played a. Uh, a, a big role in uh, division between people in the congregation, mm. friendships being broken up, marriages having tension. And, um, you know, the, probably the worst thing was there are a number of people um, who were really intrigued by Jesus, who were reading the Gospels, who weren't believers, who saw the way that Christians were interacting with each other and said, I am no longer intrigued. Mm. Um, yeah, and it really, in some, some ways tarnished some of the witness. And especially I think of a coach that I have, who we have a really good relationship and was really in awe of the, the ways in which people in the congregation were loving their neighbor and living out their faith until the election season mm. that, uh, came around. And then he kind of expressed that he really didn't see Jesus much um, in that interaction. So, wow. So, so it wasn't even that his critique was about what Christians believed about politics. It was more about just kind of the, their posture and the way they handled it. Exactly. It wasn't even about what they were voting for or policies, but the interaction between Christians, uh, tarnished the witness. Wow. So, so this was really just you saying, Hey, we got to do this differently in 2020. We got to have a different approach. And, uh, yeah, and that's absolutely kind of what this is about. I think you, uh, were you the one that kind of authored those 10 commitments that we're all beginning to pray through and uh, remind ourselves of? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, um, I don't know if you have them memorized off the top of your head, but is there, are there one or two that are especially kind of near and dear to your heart? Yeah, there's a, a couple, um, and you know, yeah, I would say one would be biblical wisdom, uh, committing to have my views challenged by the biblical story rather than using the Bible to proof text my predetermined position. Ultimately, wh what's your authority um, and what's your starting place there? Uh, that's a big one. Um, having our speech or political discourse marked by the, the fruit of the Spirit um, is another Big one, and I think probably the biggest one for me, uh, where I often fail, is 
uh, removing the log from my own eye. Mm. So yeah, I love that one. Instead of, yeah, yeah. So instead of just crit- spending all the time critiquing the flaws in other people's political leanings and thinking and scrutinizing them, you know, Jesus calls us to make a bigger deal out of the log in our own eye and give that more scrutiny. And I don't do that often. So Alessi and I are in slightly different places here, but I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in politics. Uh, probably uh, around 2007 was when I kind of first started getting into it and, you know, follow the news. There's multiple politics related podcasts that I listen to and uh, news that I try to keep up with. I watch a lot of the debates. I'm, I'm a little bit of a junkie. Um, mm. For someone like me, that's kind of really into this what would be some of your hopes of a, of an initiative like this? How, how would you hope that this whole thing would maybe reshape or influence someone like me? Yeah. Yeah. So I think for a lot of folks who are really interested in politics, really care about it, um, is their engagement with their faith and politics and how those things interact with each other would probably you know, would probably be rooted in like Romans 13 and First Peter 2, where they acknowledge the Bible's teaching about the uh, role of government to uh, punish evil and to promote good and that we should submit to the governing authorities. And, and that's kind of like a, a baseline level understanding. I think for a lot of people who are really interested in politics, they know that much, but then get a lot of their formative information from uh, the various news sources and pundits and politics. But what I'm really interested in is what if we took the the whole rest of um, the ethical teachings of Jesus or uh, the gospel, basically the, the rest of the Bible and say, does this still apply to me and how I live out my uh, my political engagement? So in other words, am I still a disciple? And I think one of the big things is oftentimes the Bible has very little opportunity to compete with the hours upon hours of punditry and commentary that we're getting as we're just letting news commentary and uh, podcasts wash over us. And functionally, those can almost become our sacred text that we turn to rather than scripture. Mm. And so I would say the interest is really good. The engagement with current events is really good. Um, But what does it look like to immerse yourself in the whole breadth of what it means to be a disciple and particularly be a disciple in the political engagement, which we tend to just exclude, not, I wouldn't say we, but like every, there, there's a propensity for people to exclude politics from the realm of what it means to be a disciple. So you'll, you'll think really deeply about what does it mean for me to care for my wife, my neighbor, my family. Um, but then when it comes to the political stuff, it's more about the content that's being pumped out through the media, through the various sources of media. What it strikes me in that, that, you know, whether I listen to conservative media or mainstream media or liberal media, and I realize to some people I just merged categories uh, or it's just redundant, but um, Mm -hmm. whatever you listen to, it feels like the goal is the same, which is to make you afraid and to make you angry. 
Mm-hmm. And it's this yeah. just vortex of anger and fear, anger and fear, anger and fear. And and really, it feels like the incentive structure of the media and the incentive structure even of the parties to a large degree is to yeah. keep people afraid yeah. and to keep people yeah. uh, angry. And um, neither of those postures really are <laughs> how Christians should be reflecting the heart of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And with that, Absolutely. I'm I'm just curious. So I'm I am on the opposite side of the spectrum uh, from Luke. Of I probably lean towards the person who's not as politically minded. Um, sure, I have the apps, so they let me know what's kind of going on. So I'm somewhat aware of what's going on. But because of the fear or the the intensity that I feel is wrapped around politics right now, I tend to lean away from it. Um, so how would you um, kind of advise? What, what would you want someone like me to take from knowing that, oh boy, we're going to have, you know, another series on all about politics. Like that, that feels a little like overwhelming actually to me. So what, mm. what, what would you want someone like me to take from this um, series? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say that politics is definitely not everything. <laughs> and I commend that. Um, but it is something. And it yeah. is a way of, of loving our neighbors and stewarding God's world. And pretty much, uh, if you think about all of the ways in which um, you, you yourself are flourishing today, mm-hmm. um, you have an air conditioning that's pumping in cold air in this uh, you know, hot summer, you, you, food that comes to your table, um, you have roads that work. You have all of these things. Yeah. Uh, there is, uh, there are, are real policy decisions um, that are affecting those things, and uh, that neighbors are cared for and God's world is cared for when we take those things seriously. And so, I actually would say, for most folks, um, if you're going to get involved, get involved locally to start with. Mm. For the last. 10 years, I've been asking this one question over and over. Whenever I encounter someone who has really strong political opinions, I'm always just curious. I ask, could you name each of your city council members by name? And I've only had about five people who could. Um, and what that says to me is interesting. Uh, the most, you're obviously not praying for those leaders. Uh, uh, and as scripture calls us to, if you, if you don't know their names and there's, uh, someone did some, I read somewhere that a vote in a presidential election, um, you have a one in 10 million chance of actually affecting the outcome. But when it comes to local stuff, city council, those sorts of things, they are actually, they're practically begging for your involvement and there are very Mm -hmm. tangible things you can do to help your neighbor by participating in that. So I would say I would commend the, the reality that politics isn't everything and you're probably not giving your whole allegiance to politics or an ideology, mm-hmm. but you might be missing out on some ways to really love your neighbor by not engaging. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Jim, anything that you would say, uh, you know, some maybe unintended consequences you don't want to see happen. So in other words, we're, we're doing this King, you know, King Jesus 2020 thing. Here's what we're not trying to do. Here's what we're not hoping for. Um, yeah. Anything like that come to mind? 
Yeah, there's a couple. One is I don't want it to be perceived as a partisan thing where we're going to, you know, tell people exactly how they should vote. Um, the other thing is uh, there, there's two extremes that I want to avoid. One is that politics is everything and it's the only way to love your neighbor. Um, but then the other one I don't want to, that I, I do want to avoid is the uh, just disengage and kind of pick up a tambourine and kumbaya and kind of have this shallow piece where you avoid some of the real important conversations that need to be had um, just for the sake of not having conflict. Mm -hmm. That's peace faking. That's not peacemaking. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so, so I, I would say those would be some of the things I want to avoid. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the ways we've kind of talked about it is, um, you know, we don't want to go the way of the donkey, <laughs> the way of the elephant. Uh, but we also don't want to go the way of the ostrich either, where you just put your head in the ground and ignore what's going on. Mm. We want to go the way of the lamb, mm. following King Jesus and letting him shape his words, his work, shape everything that we do, including the, the political engagement. And that's going to mean different leanings, but it's not going to mean allegiances mm. to different ideologies. So dang it, Jim, you just outed me. I, uh, I preached on that at the beginning of the year. I actually did a, a message on how we're going to love one another through the 2020 election. And I closed with those four animals because I heard that, I think, either from you or Chris Gonzalez. But I don't think I quoted you on it. And so now everybody knows where I got it from. Oh, <laughs> Hey, man. No, I... I, I, I bet you came up with it, and I'm the one who's claiming it. So <laughs> I know for a fact I didn't come up with it, um, but it did. But it did seem to make an impact, and I, I think a lot of people did feel like, man, I am the ostrich, just because this whole thing is such a anger-inducing mess. I, I don't want to. I don't want to engage. And yeah, I think the way of, of sacrificial yeah. love is is really important. So, yeah. Hey, before we let you go, there's something that I think is just really interesting. Uh, Seth Trout's going to do a, a class for us coming up on kind of uh, different political, political ideologies. Um, but there's kind of a matrix that you've come up with. Um, I was introduced to it, I think as the Mullins matrix, but I think you have a different <laughs> name for it um, that yeah. kind of describes a little bit of what's going on in terms of political ideologies. Uh, it, this would be a lot better if we had a whiteboard that everyone could look at and you could draw it, but can you kind of maybe describe for us uh, these four different uh, approaches that you see? Yeah, absolutely. So I think when we conceive of the, the political polarization and tension, we tend to think of it as this, on a left-right spectrum, that it's polarized. So you have some people on the left, you have some people on the right. And that's certainly a cultural influence. There's uh, people who are, there's a, there's a pull uh, toward conservatism, there's a pull toward progressivism. Um, but there were a lot of things in 2016 that didn't make a lot of sense to me that were happening politically. Um, and so I started doing a little reading in philosophy and some of the other worldview elements that are affecting society. And so the way I draw it is if on the X axis, you have a, a left-right spectrum, I think there's another spectrum at work, which would be the Y axis, which would be a modern postmodern spectrum. So uh, just to, to give a simple definition, like so I, I forget modernity math. would be... X is the one that's 
across and Y is the one that's up and down, right? Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's Got right. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I get left um, and right. On, on the up and down one, what's at the bottom? What's at the top? Yeah, the top would be modern. Okay. Uh, modernity. So rooted in the Enlightenment, the there's a big emphasis coming out of the 17, 1800s on rationality, on universal truth, on the scientific method, and this idea that if we can just categorize the world and study the world, we can master the world and kind of just boil everything down um, to its essential facts, its essential pieces, um, we can master the world. Uh, so uh, a lot of good has come out of that. Medicine's come out of that. Mm-hmm. There's been, you know, uh, a lot of technological advancement. Um, however, there's been a counter movement philosophically called postmodernism, which is an, a rejection of that. And primarily, what it's rejecting is it's it. Well, there's a there's a philosopher. Uh, named uh, John Francois Leotard, which is kind of a funny name, Leotard's your last name. <laughs> um, but he, he said that postmodernity is all about the incredulity toward narrative. So in other words, he doesn't believe uh, that there are these big universal stories, these big universal truths, but that truth is really located in the experience of the individual. So kind of what's so, true for you is true for you. And what's true for me is true for me. And as long as we're both sincere, Hey, our truth is our truth kind of thing. Right. And, and this philosophical movement would push back against a lot of the aspects of modernity, like institutions, uh, universal truth, uh, even science research, um, so-called, you know, facts, they would put in quotes um, and say that those are all kind of instruments of power. Okay. So if, if the, you have those, the modern and the postmodern, I think what you end up with is four categories uh, in each of those, each box that it creates. Um, you have a, uh, what I would almost refer to as a, a new political religion. And mm. it's a, it's a movement that's functioning like a religion that people are converting to, giving their allegiance to. And it has some creationally good things, but it also, when it becomes an ultimate thing, like all idols, it ends up really damaging the world. So you're saying so that in, in, all, in all four of those quadrants then is almost like a different kind of political religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it would kind of outline the four political religions of our day. Because if you think about it, Luke, um, we almost never see somebody convert to Islam or Buddhism from our church, one of the historic world religions. Mm. But we see people all the time drifting into these political ideologies with such devotion, with such um, fanaticism, that it could only be described as a religious conversion. Like if Paul showed up in our day through a time machine and he was looking around, he would not say like Islam and Mormonism and those sorts of things are the major religions of our day. He'd be like, no, it's these things that people are putting up signs all over the place and having these big gatherings. Those are the worship services. Wow. Uh, every day they open up the sacred text. 
so, so, so yeah, t- I so would kind of us, identify. You got you got us on pins and needles here, then. So so talk us through these four religions. Yeah. So the if we kind of in my mind, I'm kind of going you know top left. It would be sort of liberal modern. modern. What would that? What would you call that? Yeah. Where would yeah? You see I would it? call it the religion. Yeah, that would be the religion of progress. Uh, and so if it had a creed, it would be to change the world. So it's about big institutions, government, schools, uh, those sorts of things, uh, research. And if it's all about bringing humanity into to, to progress. Um, so if, if I had to put like a high priest to this religion, it might be like uh, Bill Gates or Hillary Clinton or something like that. Okay, so and the, if there was a the sacred classic- text liberal progressive maybe what some yeah. think of as more of the traditional democratic party yeah right right okay. yeah exactly sacred text might be npr uh <laughs> sacred worship space might be a university you know that sort of thing okay um then, then, then go, you have the religion the, of re- go down the postmodern side then of that so stay on the left yeah well, go post or, or, or maybe you want to go a different way i don't know i, I it's think your, it's, it's your helpful major. if i go Progress, then responsibility. So the modern right, the the modern conservative. um, And I would say that that would be the religion of responsibility. Mm. So that's about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, So it's about I want to take responsibility for myself and my family. Uh, We still want things to change in the world. We still want things to get better. But it's mostly about us focusing on – ourselves and our families and that's how things get better mm-hmm. um and so if there would be a high priest maybe uh maybe ronald reagan um if okay. uh if there's yeah so that would be that one and and it has a lot of really fruitful things because it's calling people to responsibility where there's a real void in our day um but also it tends to not see that not everyone starts off on the same footing so it starts mm-hmm. off at the same place Okay. Um, and so, so that one, those two progress and responsibility, that's traditionally how we've kind of thought about the left and the right. But as there's been a pull more towards postmodernism, uh, two more have really emerged and probably have the most cultural momentum right now. Okay. So, um, you want me to go into those? Yeah. yeah. So liberal postmodern then would, would look the more liberal like postmodern. Yeah. So I would say that that's the religion of identity. Mm. So if there was a creed, it would be to live your truth. And it, it really emphasizes um, the importance of pr- people's identities as a particular ethnic background, uh, male, female, um, you know, those sorts of things. And um, if there was like a high priest to this one, it would probably be, uh, AOC. Um, okay. I was thinking maybe Lady Alexandria Gaga. Okay. Lady Gaga would be a, another one. Okay. There's, it's, you know, sacred space might be like Instagram. Um, <laughs> but it's. <laughs> yeah, the selfies. Yep. I see that. Yeah. But, you know, the Enneagram uh, would be, Whoa, you careful know, now. always like doing the work Enneagram. on yourself. <laughs> I going to say. Yeah. yeah. I have no problems with it. Uh, but but there's like a big emphasis on sort of crafting and finding your identity. And then any time that someone's identity is threatened in the world, it kind of coalesces to 
to try to, to, you know, advocate for or protect or kind of, you know, depending yeah. on, yeah. Okay. And then so moving to the right. postmodern right, the postmodern conservative, most people would say, how is that possible? There's not such a thing as <laughs> postmodern conservative because conservative folks tend to be more skeptical of postmodernism. Um, yeah, tend to want to conserve the say, truth, conserve tradition, conserve those things. But right, but we are seeing. Right. I mean, it feels like we are seeing something. Yeah, and and that would be the religion of security. Um, oh. So, if there was a creed, it would be good fences makes good neighbors, and this religion would be um, very concerned about you know, the institutions of modernity, like globalization, like scientific research, like those sorts of things would, would be suspicious of how those are being used mm. and suspicious that those are sort of encroaching in on, um, encroaching in on life. And, um, so, so the, the postmodern aspect of it is that with that one, it tends to be way the sense of truth tends to be way more intuitive oriented around the gut. Um, and it tends to, um, put less credence into research statistics, global marketplace, those sorts of things, but yeah, kind of even, about even protecting even a way institutions. of life. Yeah. Cause institutions, you know, you've seen the right and the left kind of, kind of go, Hey, not interested in that, you know, um, yeah, we want exactly. kind of political insurgency. You know, we don't want the establishment. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. What about some of the high Absolutely. priest creed? Yeah, uh, some of that stuff on the on the conservative on that one. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I would say that you have uh, I would put Joe Arpaio maybe uh, <laughs> um, maybe uh, Stephen Miller or Steve okay. Bannon. So I wouldn't necessarily put Trump um, there, but more of some of his advisors that are kind of getting at the philosophical aspects of it. Okay. And um, what's interesting about all of these, just to throw a question at you, like progress, responsibility, identity, security, which of those do you see in Genesis 1 and 2? Progress, responsibility, like, identity, and security. All of them? Yeah. In different parts. Yeah. yeah, they're all there. Yeah. They all feel part yeah. of God's good creation. Yeah. And as God is unfolding the template for what his world is supposed to look like, all of these are emphasized. Progress, mm. be fruitful and multiply, responsibility. Right. He, put, he, put the, uh, he put the man in the garden to work it and to keep it. Mm. Identity. <laughs> he was created male and female in the image of God. Mm. Security. They walk with God in the mm. cool of the day in a, in a, in a secure place where there was no harm. Wow. And so all four of those have their roots in creation and are a part of what a flourishing life looks like under the Lordship of Christ. Mm. It's just when any one of those becomes isolated and takes the right. place of God is when it becomes really problematic. Mm. Man, that's so interesting. That's such a great picture. Cause I, that helps me like, think about the matrix in a different way of like, Oh, now it makes sense. How, when you just pull one of those aside, how, how much division can come from that. Um, so that's, that's yeah. fascinating. 
and, and really what we need is, is we need followers of Christ who lean in each of those directions, but are facing Christ, who are, whose allegiance is Christ and can help each other see the good gifts and the importance of each of those quadrants and to help each other uh, resist the temptations of the idolatries in each of those quadrants. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I love rooting it in creation that, that is <laughs> yeah. faithful to the biblical story. And I think there's such a tendency, and this is normal anytime you idolize something, you have to demonize anything else. And um, yeah. I think when people say, you know, there's there's no good in that thing, there's no, how could anyone ever think that? Um, they tend to be minimizing uh, some of some aspect of God's creation that yeah. that maybe is distorted and maybe needs correction, but is still there. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe uh, you know, as believers, I mean, yeah, I, I think about the new heavens and the new earth <laughs> under King Jesus, right? Yeah. Which is a political reality. That's a, a kingdom is a political thing. There will be progress. Mm-hmm. There will be responsibility. We will have identity as the people of God, and um, we will be secure. And man, what a, what mm-hmm. a that's that's really our hope, huh? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And to the degree that we can sit together at the table with Jesus, with those leanings, we can actually be a community that bears witness to what God's new creation will look like. And to the degree that we're, we're not together at the table with Jesus, um, we, we tarnish the witness uh, that we're called to bear. Awesome. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for your creativity and your energy around this uh, yeah. this initiative. Um, it's bearing fruit, not just at Redemption Tempe, but at Redemption Gateway and I think beyond. And man, you're just a huge gift to our church family. And uh, we appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you guys a ton. Yeah, thanks so much. All right, brother. We'll talk to you later. All right, talk to you later. Bye.